Greetings, friends, and welcome back to Ascendant. I am Andrew Crusoe, and today I have an unusual episode to share with you. But I wanted to share something that give you a little taste of some of the vibes that might be coming, some of these shared conversations that are coming. I had an interesting meetup a few weeks ago with some personal growth-oriented friends, some of whom I had only met online before, and this was in Las Vegas, and it was a very interesting collection of energies. We It felt like hanging out with cousins I'd never hung out with in person before. Um, I had a few allergies in this recording. It's m- relatively minor, but I want to apologize for that. But we talk about dialects. We talk about preserving language. We talk about secrets in Utah. We talk about the Gorgosaurus that had a brain tumor. We talk about music culture fusion. It ties into the Jamie Caddo interview I did a while ago. We talk about cultural appropriation and where the boundaries are there. It's it's really interesting. It's very unusual. I don't know if I'll do an episode like this again, but you never know. Let me know what you think. Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback, either on Instagram, Twitter, email. Um, AndrewCrusoe.com is the best way to find the show notes. I don't know. This This is an unusual one. The first voice you're going to hear is Rashad, a data scientist, and he has a lot to share here. Enjoy. How many countries have you been to, top of the head? Countries in general? Yeah. Maybe 50? I don't know. Wow, nice. Maybe 50 at this point. 45 at least. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, I've been to a lot of Western Europe. I've been to England, Scotland, maybe you would count it. Iceland, Finland, France, Spain, uh, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Italy, Germany. Um, wow. this, is probably, this is probably a little Yeah, bit yeah, yeah. There. Whoa. But it, was there a country that jumped out at you? Hmm, Germany. Oh, it's kind of funny. Great. They all jump out in different ways. Yeah. I like Germany a lot. They're very cosmopolitan. <clears throat> They're very open-minded. Um, they're very friendly. Yeah. They're pretty friendly. It's extremely well organized. No way, really. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, uh, everyone's pretty good looking. That's nice. Yeah, they also think I'm good looking. It's like interesting. You are good looking. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's, but it's interesting. I, many people have told me that in Germany they're obsessed with like darker skinned people. Uh, oh, is that because they don't have enough? I guess I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. So like, no, this is a human thing. We want what we don't. What we is, is, is yeah. not we're going to have, but, but like, what's rare is more interesting. Yeah. This is why if I ever go to Japan, I will be so popular and I'll have to leave. It'll be overwhelming. Oh no, I'm sure. I've heard. I've heard stories. Like they that. like blonde people. Yeah. Yeah. Like go to India, they'll be like, oh my god. Or India. Oh, exactly, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Most places you go, it's like, ooh, light skin, cool. But in Germany, it's like, ooh, dark skin. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's intriguing. So I was like, oh, so that's what that feels like. <laughs> to be because yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not like super tall or anything, right? So, um, but yeah, I, I found them very uh, friendly, also very worldly. A lot of them have more on than average traveled to more countries. Yeah. Like I'd say, like in Spain, it was hit or miss. Uh, when I went, I was in the south. Like I did a tour of Andalusia, went to Granada, Almeria, uh, Malaga, Sevilla, Jerez, where they make sherry, right? Um, yeah, that's where sherry. Jerez is the Spanish word for sherry. Jerez, yeah. They say Jerez there because they have an Arab, they have an Arabic inflection to their Spanish, which is a legacy, which is a legacy of the Arab Moorish rule from the previous centuries. Yeah. So they'll say like naranja, orange, or jugo de naranja. Yeah, it's kind of cool. But anyway. How many languages do you speak? Out of curiosity. Yeah, just a little Spanish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just okay. But. Uh, Pico. 
Un poco. <laughs> Whatever. I, 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 my, my Spanish is my Spanish is atrocious, atrocious Spanish. And Hawaii, this, I, I, we don't need it very No, no, there's no, there's no, yeah. But in what you said really rings true about the Germans because there were there was a point where I swear there were more Germans around me than locals in certain parts. Of, of even like Big Island, like there, there was a period where I, I made the joke of like, oh, everybody left Germany this winter and came to Hawaii. <laughs> when I went to Utah for the first time in high school, I was like, wow, there's so many Germans here. It was all Germans hiking. Oh, oh yeah, uh, all the national, all the parks, the national parks there, the ones with the names, uh, uh, arches, dinosaurs, Zion, French, all German and French. It was like July or August, so it was like their break period where they like go on vacation for two or three weeks or whatever. Um, France has this thing in August, like they're all just gone in August. Um, but yeah, yeah, that stood out. Um, in France, I was impressed by the balanced eating habits of the people. Everything is served with side salad, uh, even fried things. It's like it felt like less bad portion sizes. The food combinations are a thing. Oh yeah, yeah. And then so now I eat a lot of I eat like side salads at least at home almost every day with everything pretty much. Good for you. Very basic, very basic ones, but but that's how they do it there too. It's just vinaigrette. You know, like mustard and, and oil and vinegar and then lettuce, that's it. Do you think that's why the perception of the French is that they are more fit or that they're, they look healthier because they eat more balanced? Yeah. Americans are more extreme. We have more ripped people and we also have more like, like heavy people. But in France, everyone's like kind of like, oh, I don't really care about like being an extreme. Uh, so you'll see less like big muscles, but you'll see less of like, like, the, like uh, the downside for health. Yeah. So people seem generally like, I'm healthy, I'm fine, I don't really like, need to be... Like, at most, they'll do endurance things. Tour de France is, is a thing in France for a reason. But, yeah. but um, yeah. yeah. Have you seen that? I'm not. I'm not. I interrupted you. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, and then in, uh, in Spain, in the south at least, I was sort of shocked. Like, uh, it's, it seems kind of unhealthy. Um, they have a lot of vegetables. <laughs> um, Which part? The south, Andalusia. It's just, they, like, stay up till... I mean, which part of it is unhealthy is what I meant. The southern part of Spain. I mean, like, what part of their oh, di their lifestyle just, is what I mean. Oh, oh man. Oh, they stay up to, like, 6 or 8 a.m., like, partying, like, at least once a week. A lot of people, it's, like, a regular thing. But they still work. Spain, they work the longest hours in Europe. Um, really? Because the siesta is not really a thing anymore. They just work through it. But the, end, the longer ending time is still a thing. So, like, work will end at 6 or 7. For most people, and that's why they don't eat dinner till like nine. That sounds like a big bummer if you don't actually have the yeah. siesta. But they still, people still think they're lazy, or they're lazy. The Spanish, right? They just want to party and drink all day. It's not like really how it is. Uh, if it ever was like that, it's not like that anymore. Um, yeah, like I saw like a lot of men drinking beer in the morning, like older men, like going to the bar. Whoa. It's called ir la caña to go get ir the caña. Ir ir to ir, go ir, a ir la caña. Ah, going to ir is to go a to caña. Kanya is the term for uh, sugar cane, but basically it's uh, a tall, thin glass for, for with a beer. You put the beer in it. So ir akanya. Ir akanya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Akanya, yeah. can, cane. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cane, yeah. That's right. That's right. So yeah, we, we heard of that's a tradition in southern Spain. Uh, the bread is it's like white bread. It's very powdery. Ooh. Uh, they have a lot like nicer like really like. They, well, stuff. they've got way better bread in France. Yeah. Let's be honest. So I was like, oh, I, I was it was unfortunate, but they're extremely nice. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like as an American in Europe, one thing that's really shocking is that you'll go from one town to the next, and the accents will change. So let's say you know some Spanish. And you go to something in the southeast, like Almeria, beach town. 
They have an Almeria, yes. They have like an accent there. And so they'll say, oh, you're saying it wrong. Or say it like this. Then you go to Granada, which is like two hours. The Alhambra is there, famous like mountainous area. Yeah, and and uh, their accent is a little different. You can even go to neighboring towns. Like in France, two neighboring towns, the French sounds different. They you're talking have, about like, you can go 10 kilometers and you've got like a different... It's the same in Belgium. Oh, yeah. small, so... Wow. Yeah, it's because people have been stuck in those places for a long time. So they've been able to develop regional accents where the regions are much smaller. In America, people, people you know, uh, immigrated here much more recently. And so they have to speak the more common dialects uh, in order to be mutually intelligible. It's like, you know, it's not, I'm not from this part of Germany. You all come to New York in the late 19th century and you got all these German immigrants. They're all from, they're from all over. It's not just Bavaria. It's not just Cologne. It's like everything. Um, and Cultural mosaic within yeah. each town. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so they have to, their accents generally like, if they're speaking like German or whatever, like it has to be more standardized to be intelligible to everyone, right? And so in the, you can tell how, how much of people have been stuck in a place by how much the accents vary over a distance. How weird they've gotten. Really now, you're a data scientist. Yeah. Do you feel like, I want to get to you in a minute. Prepare yourself, Presley. You're a data scientist. Do you feel like this is inevitable because of the internet, because things get standardized and globalized? As I've thought about this, and I, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have hard data on this, but I, I do feel that if you look at, if you look at the trends, English is the de facto language online, mm -hmm. and followed by a few other big ones, you know, like Spanish and German, French, and and and, and Mandarin. Um, and in some cases, Japanese. Japan, is a whole, that's a whole other conversation of how disproportionate Japan has affected global culture, which is impressive. It's very impressive what they've done. But um, I feel like in terms of English, like I feel like it's sort of inevitable, especially when you look at things like Zoom and, and you know, you're... You're hearing other dialects. I mean, you could. They've made the argument that radio is the reason why we have the Midwestern accent everywhere now, because people grew up hearing this accent, and it became standardized. You had more of those dialects in America before radio. Oh yeah. So I don't know. Do you feel like it's inevitable that things get a little more standard? Hopefully, hopefully we still keep some of the, you know, the regionalisms because they're so adorable, like y'all, which I use sometimes. But I don't know. There's a. There's a. There are always opposing forces and when you talk about language evolution. I was an anthropology major. We did study linguistics. See, I'm asking the right guy. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I'm not an expert. But uh, there's a process called schismogenesis, which is basically the idea that... Schismogenesis. schismogenesis. Okay. Well, yeah. Yes. It's uh, the idea of two groups of people, different groups of people who are aware of each other and don't like the other group or think that they're different in some way. And so what they do is that they develop their cultures in a way to overemphasize their differences. Huh. You'll see this uh, a lot around in the Western world in the rural urban divide, as in people will do specific things to show that they are not the other group. And so if you're looking for some sort of like, like another explanation for why do they do this, you know, if you're studying especially history, they'll be like, well, do they eat this food because it gives you the most calories per effort or whatever, you know, and the climate and stuff. And sometimes it's not just, you can't just explain it with science. It's people's preferences. So you'll see this in the way people dress, the accents. I feel like this happens in California so much. Oh yeah, NorCal, SoCal. <laughs> so people, like they're, if you look at them from the outside, they're quite similar. They're more similar than like many other, most, yeah. if you compare them to most other groups of people in the yeah. world. Yeah. 
but yet they will overemphasize their differences or New York versus California in general. Like they're both, you know, more educate, college educated people than other states, both heavily invested in tech and finance and these like highly paid industries. They both um, emphasize global cultures, meaning like they're not as much about like uh, nationalism, you know, on average. They both are blue. They, you know, there's so many things they share in common that you can measure. And their perspective on many things are very similar. And there's tons of people that only bounce between those two states. Because they just fly, boom, boom, New York to L.A., New York to L.A., New York to San Francisco. It's like that's their whole professional life. The flyover states don't get involved. Exactly, <laughs> yes. And yet they will talk all the time about, and I do this too. I, you know, I used to live in Southern California for two years, and oh. I, I preferred New York. And I was like, oh, well, it's easier to make friends in New York. They're more uh, open to talking. You know, there's more like I liked walking places instead of having to drive everywhere. I like you, can breathe, you can breathe the air in New York. <laughs> Yes. See, the water's pretty good. Water is quite good. Yeah. I'm, I'm first you know that. Yeah. The I've been there. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you take it off from upstate, but it's fine. Yes. It was stealing from the mountains. <laughs> There's not that many people over there. I mean, it, it, no, in terms of like, it's amazing how well New York works, though. Like, it is amazing for the amount of people. It, I mean, like, I'm not an East Coast guy, but I, I really appreciate and respect New York as a town and what they're able to do. And the water's great. And that's where the peace is good, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, we'll, we'll definitely emphasize our differences. It'll be like, our hip-hop was like this, and it's better because it's more edgy. And it'll be like, no, our hip-hop was better because, you know, it's more glam or whatever. And then our dances are more sharp uh, or something like that. Like People will focus on all the little differences. And it's like, yeah, well, compared to the places without hip-hop, like, you guys share a lot in common, right? So schismogenesis. And you get this in language, in language development, too, uh, where people will try to... To maximize the differences in their accents, sometimes they, con- they consciously try to do that. Oh yeah, like uh, if you think about the the development of of say country music uh, in the U.S. initially. I try not to, but keep going. <laughs> See, there's that schismogenesis for you. <laughs> That's just not my genre. It's all yeah, me neither, me neither, right? But it's all part of the American. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, sorry, keep going. It's schismogenesis, just briefly. So it's like a schism, is it a ripping yes. apart, a Latin root kind creation, of thing? Genesis, the creation of a schism, schismogenesis, creation of a divide. So meaning like two people are creating a divide where before they're not necess- there wasn't necessarily one, or it was a small one, right? Uh, you see this in, in culture, India, Pakistan, like. Everyone has like someone who's pretty similar to them that they think are so different. Everyone has this, right? I feel like that probably happens in Belgium too. I mean, if you can tell the difference between different, you know, cities and they're probably emphasizing difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, language, language too. So will accents all become the same to get to your original question? Will everyone just speak English? Well, I think there's a couple of forces moving in the homogenizing direction. One is the, the, the value of English for raising the incomes of people in poorer countries. So if you go to a place like Myanmar, you go to Vietnam and all that, you know, Vietnam used to be a French colony, part of French Indochina. But guess what? Only the older people there speak French now who were in that era. So everyone today is learning English. They get translator jobs. They can make like orders of magnitude more money than they could have before, even just leading tours around of people, Americans and Australians, you know, and, and then Europeans, what will they speak there? They'll speak English, right? So English becomes like that de- that that de facto language everywhere. It's like the standard, yeah. I mean, yeah. Just to be clarified, just to clarify, I'm not saying everybody will have the exact same accent. I'm just saying I feel like the inter. I just feel like the differences will be reduced drastically over time. Yes. Yeah, the differences will definitely be reduced. There's a counter movement of people trying to preserve small endangered languages, 
Uh, for example, in, in southern France, uh, French, the French language is split up into two groups, the langue d'oil and langue d'oc. Probably saying that wrong, but... Uh, basically, no, it's okay. It's impossible to speak French correctly unless you're born there. We know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll never, I never will never succeed. But uh, it's like north and south, basically. And I'm part French, and I feel like that. So <laughs> it's just never... I'm never going to pronounce it correctly. It's going to be okay. Oh, yeah. There's, it's, you're saying French is two dialects? Is it considered yes. dialects? Okay. Uh, there are two, like, families of dialects. Okay. La, langue d'huile is, is, like, closer to the, the standard French. Languedoc is from the south. Uh, and l some of the Languedoc is more similar to Catalan in northern Spain. And so you get this continuum of peoples like going from Spain to France. And if you hear it, it's like, it sounds like, to me, like a French with a bizarre Italian-Spanish accent. And with, that sounds it's, amazing. It's, it's like more like uh, consonants and less like, you know, like the French, standard French sounds, right? right. So it's like, oh, what, what is that? But anyway, like I heard it because I was there like a month ago, right? So it was like very, very curious. And then there's literally unintelligible languages there. Uh, like there, if you speak a local dialect in Southern... Ruben is laughing. He's like, I can't understand any of those darn people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there, there's like, there's languages that are only spoken in like a couple towns. One of our tour guides down there was telling us about his language. And then he said something, he said some phrase and... Yes. He's like, oh, this is how we say it in, in French. Da -da -da -da. And this is how we say it in whatever. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it began with an L. Um, and then it was totally different. Uh, and then he, he has a girlfriend who's from like another village and they have a different thing And so when she's at the family dinners with the boyfriend She has no idea what they're saying and they sort of ribber about it Well, this is my, my, my next question is like how hard is it if you grow up in a town or a village that small and you leave? How tricky is that for them because they must have to you know code switch essentially mm, Well, there's definitely code switching but everyone learns standard French they don't only speak those things. Only the older people maybe would not speak French, standard French at all, right? And then you see this also in, like, the globalized French languages, like Quebecois or, like, uh, yeah. Louisiana French, Cajun French. Creole. Yeah, Creole, yes, that too. Um, like, uh, Cajun French comes from, uh, basically, Normandy medieval French. So, like, the 1600s French from Normandy. Like, those were the people... And so there's like, they use words that uh, sound very old fashioned, like how dost thou do, like kind of that sort of thing. Right. You know, but with like a, but with like a sort of American country sounding accent. And so it sounds like quite strange to like French speakers, many French speakers today. Or like the African French dialects, right? So a lot of French colonies there. And then they, they have like their own distinct sound to it, informed by the languages that they were speaking before and to this day, right? So language is a fun thing. And so there's, there's, there's standardizing forces. And then there's also like the, this dialect is my identity and I don't want to lose it. So I don't think you'll ever lose, you'll only lose it if no one's proud of it, basically. Well said, yeah. yeah. It's, it's really a pride thing. So it becomes an identity thing. You don't need that thing, but you do it because you're proud of it. And um, that's like, that's really the story I think of dialects. They become markers of identity. They're not just means of communicating. Well said. You know, you're reminding me of, it's a little bit different situation on the Hawaiian Islands where I was living for, um, uh, well, I've been there for, what well, was there for over three years straight and I was there for, and it was like the second time I'd been there, but they're fighting to preserve the Hawaiian language, which is a bit different because that's a separate language, but it's like, it's threatened. <laughs> it's threatened. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is um, because the Hawaiians are, you know, have intermarried, and there's it's really hard to find someone 100% Hawaiian. So they've set up a uh, long time, like 50 years ago, I don't even know how long ago, they set up the Kamehameha schools as a cultural refuge. And you learn Hawaiian and um, you're preserving your culture, essentially. And if they weren't doing that, it'd be so much lost. But that, Hawaiian's such a beautiful language, too. But um, they're pretty protective of them. The Kamehameha schools have a lot of power. It, 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 it's, it's actually really, it's, it's refreshing compared to what happened to some of the mainland native tribes. Oh, yeah. Where their culture was destroyed, systematically oppressed, and you know, like even like Cherokee or Sioux or Ojibwa and all these different ones, Ohlone and other ones, I can't remember the names. (laughs) And it's like, do we know any of their languages? Are their languages being taught? Uh, I don't think so. If I think about it too much, I'll cry. But yeah, Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, the thing that makes me cry is just thinking about um, white people with the common cold in the 17th century. <laughs> and then they decide to get on a boat. Oh, okay. What could go wrong? <laughs> Isolated. Uh, Isolated. Yeah. And that that's a weird situation because, like, kind of nobody was really malicious in that. It was just like, oops, you didn't find that bug before, and yep. now we're here. And and then a million people died. Mm-hmm. That's the shortest version of that story. Hey, we're we're recording stuff. No, it's okay. It's a dynamic mic. If he can video me without my consent, I can record him without. <laughs> we were talking about dialects and um, and uh, bubbles, culture bubbles. Do you want to say hi, Nessie? Hi. Hello. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know what this is going to be. I'm, I might. I might. The power of language is really good. I might have it its own thing. Um, Matt, do you want to say hi? Sure. Okay. Hello. Matt is here. Matt is the videographer of the group. I think. Definitely. Presley, do you want to say hi? Hello. <laughs> is he good? Is he a good dancer? Yeah, he's a great dancer. Okay. Well, I searched some of this stuff. He said he missed his flight. Okay. Yeah, we were we were experimenting with uh, my mobile podcast setup. This is the whole setup. This is the whole setup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. I like having discussions like that. Yeah, totally. I don't, this is the most, it was a test, so I don't know if I'm going to release any of it. Obviously, I'll ask permission. Bloopers, Bloopers yeah, exactly. The thing that I like about audio compared to video, besides the fact that it's a much smaller file, is it's, um, it's easier to edit. I can just be listen to it passively and like put in markers and stuff. It's a little bit different. Um, I find it easier to manage, personally. Um, yeah. I'm curious. Now, uh, Presley lives in the Intermountain West, where it's also dry, not as dry as Las Vegas here. I'm curious if you've observed any funny cultural clashes in Utah. I, although it's it's mostly just really pale people, right? I lived there for a little bit once. What kind of cultural clashes are you looking for? I don't know. It's a very open-ended question. I like asking open-ended questions. 
I mean, it, I mean, I, the most obvious one would be like religious, you know, like the Mormons controlled that. Isn't it? Is, okay, here we go. Here's the financial point. Is it true that Utah is just what was left over after everybody else cut their piece out? Because that's what I read somewhere. Because <laughs> no. Utah's a funny shape. I haven't heard of that. Okay. There's a lot of I feel like it should be nicer to you. I'll be, I'll be more delicate to you. <laughs> We've talked a lot before, <laughs> but no. So how? Wait. So you, how long have you been back in Utah now, Presley? Uh, this this time I've lived there ten years. Wow. See, I'm a little bit jealous of you. I haven't lived ten years anywhere in a very long time. No, I'm serious. I. No, I'm a very. Um, have you seen the Next Generation? They sometimes the androids look older than they are. No, I haven't lived anywhere for ten years straight in a really long time. The only place I'd ever lived is uh, Wisconsin. Was there? It's cold there. I think I would prefer Utah over Wisconsin at this point because it's not like it's not hatefully cold in Utah. Um, I mean, it can be. It snows. Yeah, we we have winter, but. The summer is really, really hot at certain points. Yeah. How close are you to Salt Lake City? I forget. I'm about 50 miles, about an hour by car, but it takes two hours not by car. So I don't go to Salt Lake very often. Salt Lake City is fun, and, and there's a lot there. I went to the zoo. You've been to the Hogle Zoo? No, but I've been to the Tracy Aviary, and I'm kind of obsessed with that. What? I didn't go there. What's happening? Uh, I know people have mixed feelings about zoos, but it looks like they were pretty ethical about it. Um, the only thing I don't like about Salt Lake City is there's an inversion layer there sometimes. So, like, the, all of the smog will be stuck in the valley. Have you ever been there when, when the air couldn't move? I avoid it during those times because it's really bad. And it's actually worse than L.A. at this point in history. And something really needs to be done about it. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what they could do. I mean, they just need to have better, like, emissions stuff, I guess. You're, I, I, aren't you in Ogden? Is that, should I, should I not say that? Is that bad OPSEC? Bad operational security? To, to reveal your town? I'm kidding. I've, drove, I've driven through Ogden, but I saw a band called Washed Out. Has anybody heard of the band Washed Out? They're really good. It's Chill Wave. Washed out. I saw them. He's good. Yeah. I didn't know that. Presley. We got to introduce Presley to Chill Wave. They'll chill him out. It's really good. It's really relaxing. Okay. So you've been in Ogden for, for 10 years? No. No. First I came into Provo. I was in Provo for a few years, and then I went up to Riverdale, which is just south of Ogden, for a few years, and, and now, now I'm in Ogden. What do you like about it? It's more open-minded and more chill than a lot of other places in northern Utah where people can be rather judgmental and uptight. And I also like that it has uh, less inversion. You can breathe the air. Uh-huh. We'll get... Breathing air is good. I want to hear about Philadelphia in a minute if you, if if you want to talk to. We don't talk about it. What, stays in, what happens in Philadelphia stays in Philadelphia. <laughs> I, I did want to tell you that there is a dialect difference in Utah. Really? The T okay. in, like, around the middle of a word is silent. 
And no, I use it too. I say mountain. I've heard that, but I didn't know that hap that was like a Utah thing. Yep, it's definitely a Utah thing. Huh. Mountain instead of mountain, like how I grew up saying it. It's, it makes me wonder how long that's been the case. So you can the air. It's a little more alternative. Yeah, Ogden seemed pretty cool. I, I never really, like, explored Ogden. Um, I was a bit north of there, which I did not. I had mixed feelings about. I, that's a long story. <laughs> Ogden would probably have been a better match. But to get, you know, to go from Ogden up to, to Idaho, which we did once, you got to do this weird pass. You got to go. There's all these cool little mountain passes and stuff. Idaho is the reason that it has a little chunk out of the corner, the, the top. Have you been to uh, the Golden Spike where they completed the railroad? Um, I don't think so. I know it's really close to Ogden, but I'm in the poor part of Ogden, so it's like the older part. Like the historic district, like historic 25th Street is there and stuff, which is really cool. But also there are a bunch of factories and there's a dog food factory right there. So it always smells like dog food oh, wow. or, or cat food, which is worse. Yeah. And then um, there are yeah. a lot of homeless people yeah. in my area and a lot of mental illness going on as well as uh, drug addiction and stuff like that. So it's just... Yeah, it's, it's kind of a sad part of town. Is there, is there anything in Ogden that's like, or North, or Utah in general, that you feel like it's like secret, that like people, that's like cool to check out, that people don't know, or like a, like a, like a part of Utah that you feel is really nice that maybe people overlook? Oh, that that's a hard question. Um, my favorite thing I only found, um, I think this year, or maybe maybe last year, uh, it's a it's a dinosaur museum in in uh, Lehigh at Thanksgiving Point, and it's a really really good one. So I I didn't I didn't know about it for like most of the time I was living there. Then I finally went. You can see from from the freeway there's this huge building with a dinosaur on the side, and I always wanted to go there. And then I finally went, and I didn't want to leave. I just wanted to like. Uh, work there or something. Good. You can make it a goal. Do they have an allosaur? Those are very tall. They have their their famous thing is a gorgo. That's all I care about. <laughs> Just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so they it used to be called the brontosaurus. <laughs> you mean an apatosaurus? I'm sorry. Maybe I'm an apatosaurus. Yes. Yeah, so you're the but you are definitely a, more of a dinosaur expert than me. I should shut up. What's their famous one? Gorgo with a G. So the famous, uh, the famous fossil that they found was of a gorgosaurus that had a brain tumor. Whoa! How did they know? From the fossil somehow. Like there was like a, a skull, like a thing in their. The they they found up. something in the skull that indicated that there was a brain tumor. It's the only dinosaur that they found that they know know of that had a brain tumor, and it wow. was it was extremely accident prone, like one of its hind legs. Huh had like the bone sticking out and it healed that way with the bone sticking out. And uh, yeah, the, this dinosaur really had a lot of problems, but it's right there in the entrance, like, like a big, uh, huh. like a big plaster cast. 
or resin or whatever. I gotta look. I gotta look this thing up now because. Gorgosaurus. Yeah, it's it looks a lot like a T Rex. Is it a Carnotaur? No. I I I actually don't know what a Carnotaur is. It's got bullhorns. It's, it looks like a it looks kind of like a T Rex with a short face, and it has kind of bullhorn looking, like not horns, but just like its face looks like that. It was in the animated movie uh, Dinosaur. They were like okay, right? Carno meaning bull. So meaning bull. Yeah. And then it has um, its little vestigial arms are so tiny it just looks like it has tiny little oh, hands sticking out. Like a Tyrannosaurus. Yeah, but worse. <laughs> are they smaller? Yes. So it, yeah, I was gonna. That was my question. Does this look like it's a very awkward thing that would hurt itself a lot? That was my. Well, it it looked like they could do without the forearms. Do we know what they did with those? What? Uh, it's weird, right? forearms are going away it means that the the creature isn't using them anymore so they were vestigial little little stumpy hand like things that couldn't actually do anything i see that with bodybuilders sometimes <laughs> <laughs> so where are your legs dude yeah whoa is that your favorite dinosaur my favorite dinosaur has been the stegosaurus but i i picked that when i was like six years old and i think it was just because I liked that it could protect itself and nobody was going to mess with it. Is that the one with the spikes on its tail? Yeah, the spikes on the tail, uh, diamond, diamond, diamond-shaped spikes along the back on like double, double row. It's because of the so it's a dynamic mic. So if you're more than like six inches away, it's really quiet. Um, no. Nessie, are there any dinosaur museums in Philadelphia? Um, probably. What do you love about Philadelphia? What you can be able to talk about? Not pretzels because of what Rochelle did to them. I, do, I still don't know what you guys are talking about. What, what, why is, is... Okay. Is this a Cards Against Humanity joke? Huh? She, she, I heard she has a very naughty sense of humor. That's what I heard. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Seriously though. Thanks. Thanks for coming on the test. No, it's not. Um, uh, how long have you lived in Philadelphia? I feel like you've been there for a little while. Uh, I was born there, so I was born and raised there. Okay. But I heard a rumor you lived in South Korea for a little while too. So you, you've done some. You've lived in various places. Oh no! Yes, I was in South Korea. That's super cool. That must have been like a culture shock when you went there. No, not really. <laughs> no, it didn't feel like it. Um, just because I'm already used to Asian culture in general, so um, there were some, you know, things that happened where it's like like misunderstandings. But it wasn't that like shocking to me because it, it's like. I was born in America, but also raised in an Indian household. And then I also had a lot of Asian friends or people from different backgrounds. So it didn't feel too odd. Were a lot of misunderstandings about which dinosaur you meant when you were talking about dinosaurs? Like, no, I meant, I meant the Allosaurus. And they're like, no, it's the Apatosaurus. No, but seriously, like, what, what were you, was there anything that really, like, what did you love about South Korea? Um, I love that I didn't have to worry about dinosaurs. Totally. That's why I want. That's why I want to go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> mm, 
I don't know. Um, <laughs> but you, you, you do you describe your did you do you describe your music as K-pop still? Like you've done you've done a couple different genres. Nessie is YouTube famous. Actually, you're TikTok famous, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. You're a little bit. How many people you got on TikTok now? Well, I don't. So the weird thing is, I don't really have followers. But then I have a bunch of people that listen. And then I had this random chunk of audience from Japan, even though the song's in Korean. Hey. So it's very interesting. Like an Indian American girl singing Korean <laughs> and rapping, and then a Japanese audience. You know what that sounds like to me? 2022. <laughs> <laughs> That's Touché. awesome. Touché. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I still do Korean music. Actually, I, I'm writing a song. Um, I had Rashad listen to it. Or you might heard it, too. Um, I can't play it here because it's not released yet. Uh, don't do it. <laughs> but um, make, make them subscribe to your YouTube. Nessie on, is it Nessie on the Go on YouTube? Yeah. Okay. Thank you for the... Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it's like a mix of English and Korean. Originally, I wanted to collaborate with someone else. And then they were busy with their own album. So I was like... You know what? This song's too good. I'm just gonna keep it in. My precious. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I don't know exact. I wanna release it by the end of this year, but I have this whole like vision for it. And I, th I thought it would be cool to mix different cultures like around the world and like with the song, uh, like elements of the video and the music and yeah. Okay, I gotta ask the question, but you just you just gave me a great segue to one of my favorite things, which is um, uh, music fusion. Has anybody here heard of? Yes, and has anyone ever heard of a band kind of dormant right now, but they're great called One Giant Leap? Wait, I heard of them, but I don't. Can you remind? Nessie, what you're doing like really feels like it's very much the same vein. So. Um, it, One Giant Leap is a music collective formed by Jamie Caddo and Duncan Bridgman in 1999, and they traveled around the world to over 50 different countries, and they had, like, a bass idea for a song, and then they would, like, record with, like, a native tribe in Kenya, and they would record with a tribe in India, and they go to Senegal, and they went to France, and they went to Hawaii, and they were all around Japan, China, and they went, actually, have this great story about, like, running into Asha Bosley on the street, which is a famous Bollywood singer, and they're like, can you please be in our album? And they recorded her intro to Love the Way You Dream on the sidewalk in a, in a setup not too different than the setup I'm recording right now. And and she was amazing. She sang in Hindi and um, like so definitely look up One Giant Leap because they that's their whole jam. Um, they've got two albums out and they they're synthesizing all of these influences. It's really, really cool. Like who would you like to bring in, I guess? Um, I think that sounds really cool. I've been looking on because uh, I'm on TikTok a lot now. I, I, I like Doesn't sound like you. <laughs> I know this is telling me. <laughs> no, it, it's really cool because you see people doing that, even just uh, like the languages they know. I saw this one indie artist, and she sang a song in Spanish, Greek, and English. And it was interesting, to see, but like they were three separate songs. It was the same, you know, it was like oh. the same melody and the same lyrics, but translated. And then it was cool to hear the three different versions, and people would pick like which one they liked. They're all really different languages as well. I really like the Spanish one, but like some people were like, oh, I really like the way the Greek one sounds, or the English one, one sounds like this, or, you know, like it gave it like a different vibe almost. So that was really cool, and I was like, I kind of want to do something like that, you know, sing in different languages. Or I, I, I like, um, so I, I have been on TikTok uh, posting myself uh, trying to rap, like 
fast routes in Korean. That is that is a skill that is challenging. Like in any freaking language, like to be able to rap. Or is it freestyle or are you pre-written stuff? I, I have written my own stuff. I don't think I could freestyle yet in a foreign language. I don't even know if I could do that in English. I was going to say, it's, it's hard. But people can't freestyle in, in their native tongue, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually I like to write it out or, like, hear something in the background and, like, figure out, oh, like, this rhymes with that or, you know, this idea goes with this idea or something. So, and we're at 48 minutes. <laughs> 49. Good at looking stuff upside down. Don't look at this. Never mind the man behind the curtain. Rashad has a lot to say about the fusion stuff because we were talking earlier about how like mm -hmm. there's that line between appropriation and oh, yeah. and, oh, yeah. and yeah. Uh, some people are too zealous in trying to enforce the line as they think it exists <laughs> when it does not. <laughs> yeah. Is that the same as woke police? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It, it tends to apply a lot to the arts as um, uh, interest in the arts I feel is disproportionate uh, in in. Most of like the newer arts disproportionate like on the left, uh, especially the more exploratory stuff. So I feel like then different aspects of the left tend to police each other. Uh, oh my God, I wish that wasn't true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's an, there's an attempt to try to make expression more correct, but I also think that um, sometimes uh, people judge something without actually understanding the history behind it. Like they're like, well, it looks like if they fuse these things, that's definitely appropriation. Well, not, it's not necessarily appropriation. Um, also, in general, I, I feel like a lot of times people like to, they take an art and they're like, it has this name, like ballet. And ballet is this thing, right? But the person who created ballet or the people who created ballet, uh, what was their process? How did they do it, right? If there was no ballet before, uh, who has the right to suddenly stop its evolution? How do you know when you, when you go from the creation of an art to suddenly say, oh, well, that's it. That's it. We've closed the doors. This right. is now ballet. No more of uh, no revolution. No yeah. More. Who, yeah. Who are the gatekeepers? Yeah. How do you ask like the ballet? Uh, who are the gatekeepers of ballet? Where, who asks consent? Is there a ballet god that you must make a sacrifice to? I don't know. Can I do this in Hawaii? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, in Hawaii, there probably is like a hula god. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. I, I, probably Lono. <laughs> there are four main guys in Hawaii. Yeah. Yes, yes. I remember hearing of a of a creation story involving a volcano uh, explode. There was some there was a, a god or something that was. This is all chronicled in that Pixar short. Yeah, yeah. I saw that, but I also saw like, lava videos on it. The lava, the Pixar short, lava. Oh, it's so good. We should put it on. It's so good. These. It's about how this how this uh, volcano comes up from under the ocean and creates a, a basically a living island and they talk and they have it as a friend it has a it has a, a mate actually it's very it's very sweet oh, the mate got jealous. make you cry the, the mate got jealous no no i think they were separated for a thing a thing happened yeah right right but i'm curious though like do you do you think about like from your perspective as a musician you're both musicians but like from your you're singing in in korean very different culture do you worry about that or do you feel like you know enough you have you you have a feel for the culture enough where you're like i know what's going to be okay here i'm just curious like what uh actually the reason i started singing in korean was so that i could express myself more so even though like to, to express yourself more 
How so? Well, That's fascinating to me. Originally, because I was like, well, if I write this in English and then someone were to look up my name, like, you know, people here would find out. And so it was kind of like... <laughs> uh, you're talking about security through obscurity? I'll, I'll explain it to you later. <laughs> it's like you're saying it's harder for them to know what you're saying because you're singing in Korean, so you felt safer is kind of what I'm hearing. Yeah, like I never really intended to tell my family or people around me. It was just kind of like a hobby and then like a thing that I did on the side. And then also like there are some, I mean, I know there's Korean culture that people see, but there's also like more, you know, like underground stuff and like more, <laughs> you know, dirtier songs and sure. stuff. And it's like, oh, I could actually sing these songs and not have to worry about like, Someone. Your parents finding out? Yeah, hearing the lyrics. And I had a pseudonym on the internet for so long because I just, I just wasn't, I was nervous, you know. I was like, I don't know who's going to find these things. Yeah. And, like, I think you kind of get a feel for it and become more and more comfortable. But it sounds like, is that a little different for you now? Like, you know, obviously, like, you're singing more in English now. And, I mean, I guess I'm curious how that... I think I feel more comfortable in both. But also, yeah, it is interesting. I think... Because Korean is not my native language, it's actually easier to just, like, curse or say some, you know, innuendo and, like, not have to worry. Because it's like, oh, I'm not, like, born and raised in a Korean family and around that community. It's like, I just happen to know Korean and I, like, was singing these songs and some random girl on the internet, you know? It's like, it's not as, it's not the same as, like, you know, your own community that you're where they are used to seeing you a certain way. And by singing in that language, you are naturally, like, selecting a different audience. That sort of. I do have, an, I still have people that listen to my music that are English native speakers. But also, uh, I, I started uh, trying to challenge that more because um, my parents did eventually find out about my music. <laughs> and yeah, the consequences of social rejection today are a lot less than they used to be. Yeah. In the old days, like... You know, for most people, if you got rejected from the group, that'd be bad. Yeah. You could like, starve to death. Yeah, you could starve to death. You'd at least have to, like, run away. You maybe never be able to talk to any of the people you grew up with ever again. You know? Today, we basically have, like, only certain religious groups basically do that in the U.S. I was thinking of the Mormons. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> no, but this happens. I, I, this happens. I've had Mormon friends who have, like, really, it's really hurt. Uh, it's my major criticism of Mormonism is that it does, it happens. It's sad, and I think, but not a Mormon, not normal Mormons are the same. You know, some are they don't do that, but some of them, you know, it's tough. Right. It's like two porcupines hugging. The closer they get, the more they pierce each other. Right. You ever try to imagine two toucans kissing? I think about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I am now, and I wish I wasn't. <laughs> and anyway, we can wrap up in a minute. But um, so 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 this is. I mean, this feels like like edgy in a good way for you. Of like, it's it's like. You're, because I relate to that journey a lot, sorry, of, of just like being, coming more, coming to peace with, you know, my family's going to judge me. And especially when you grow up in a pretty, you feel, you feel like a lot of things are good about your family. Like they, they're supportive or they, they're like decent people. And then you're like, oh, my values are different or I want to do explore this. And if there's not approval, it can be tough. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. Well, we could, we could stop here and unless anybody has any closing remarks. But thanks for being on the thing. Belgium. <laughs> Ruben, Ruben really wants to show me around Belgium. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I think we can probably make that happen. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. Especially since Belgium's small, so it's pretty easy. 
How is the weather in July? Oh, it can be pretty sunny in July. Okay. Okay. When can it now? Yeah, it can. <laughs> <laughs> but to be I need proof. Have you uh, been to Belgium? I have not been to Belgium. Uh, yeah, I missed the I missed the Low Countries. I missed the Low Countries. Yeah. You guys, I mean, well, you shared about France, so like it sounds like you had a very rich experience. Yeah, yeah. Every time I travel, I try to pick up something new. You know, this time, uh, what I picked up was cooking with local ingredients. But before I traveled to France last month, I uh, never really cared about cooking in another place because I cook all the time at home, and I thought, well, okay, well, okay, you could save money. But if you don't have to, like, you still eat cheaply out, and I want to eat like the locals eat. I want to eat the local stuff, right? Like, and I don't know how to make it. But here's the thing: there's a couple of assumptions in that. One, what you get in restaurants is what the locals eat. Big it's not mistake. always true. Yep. Big mistake. Oh yeah. We yeah. know this about like uh, tacos. <laughs> I should have realized. I should have realized. I have American experiences to relate to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eating out is what the locals eat. Uh, two, you can't learn to make what the, the food is. Three, it'll take a lot of time and feel like a burden to cook at yeah. home. As it turns out, uh, it's actually one of the most enriching experiences you could do. It was one of the highlights was, was cooking with local, various local ingredients, uh, tasting how this thing tastes different there than, than in America or any other place I'd been, learning recipes that were simple enough that I could attempt them. Like uh, I, made a, I made a chestnut soup. Chestnuts. Ooh, I'm going to have to get that recipe. Yeah, with fried porcini mushrooms. Ooh. You know, never seen restaurants. Never seen in restaurants. But I looked it up on French language blogs, which I translated because I don't speak French. And uh, they were like, oh, this is local to the Perigot Vert, the green Perigot region, which is where we were uh, for foresty. So it's like forest stuff, chestnuts from the forest. Mushrooms growing on the stumps of in the forest. Were they like hand collected? Like just. Uh, I don't know. I got them from uh, the farmers market actually. Like which was every best place. Before. Oh yeah, yeah, and it was it was super interesting. People very friendly. A lot of products you'd never see anywhere, even in the supermarkets there. Um, it was super enriching. You just feel like you you see things that uh, others don't see or others are unwilling to see. So that's the kind of like uh, it was a growth experience in a sense, you know. So that was that was a lot of fun. What a yeah, so now I'm here, like, in the CG's house, like, let's cook, guys. Let's cook. <laughs> <laughs> and your passion comes through. I love it. Yeah. Porticini mushrooms. It's been so long since I had those. Well, thanks for, thanks for uh, participating in this. Uh, we got an hour here, so I don't know if I'll edit any of it. But um, do I mean, is it all right if I um, release this publicly? Did we say anything we're not? Okay, we got to. I just want to tag, you know. Oh, God. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, know. I actually did an interview recently, and um, uh, they want to reshare the interview I did, and she's like, she's really cool, and I just want to make sure, like, just link to the original, yeah, and she's like, of course, so that's, I'm very sensitive. I'll tag, we, we, did you say anything you regret, Ruben? Be honest. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't follow that. I said, did you say anything that you regret? <laughs> oh, no, no, not at all. Poor Ruben, his body thinks it's 2 a.m. probably. Oh, buddy. Yeah, it's it's a it's the other it's yeah it's the other side of the planet almost. Can I ask how you felt when we welcomed you? Super super welcomed, like like really cared for it. You guys were very nice, and in the group chat, you guys were very 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 nice. Did you say anything that you regret? Okay, that's such a terrible question to ask. I'm I get really edgy with these sometimes. Should we cut out the part about Mormons? Was I insensitive? We should cut out the part where I said the phrase "talking shit." Oh, no, no, it's an explicit show. <laughs> I put the E tag on everything I make. <laughs>
Um, it, it, is there a mild uh, swear you can teach us in Korean? Like one that we won't, we won't get, we won't get that in trouble. We should ask for shot. If there's a mild swear in one of the, like not that bad, but like. My whole life for this moment. I know. Ish. <laughs> is that like I, I S H, or E I S H? A I S H, I guess. Okay, now I gotta ask what it means. I'm gonna guess it means shit. Uh, yeah, no, no, it means okay. damn it or it's f. Like, yeah, like it's the equivalent of like an exclamation. Well, damn it and f are pretty like different in severity. So what's it close? What's yeah. it closer to? Oh, like if you stub your toe and you're like, like you know, like it's an. That's pretty good. I like that. It's an exclamation uh, <laughs> when something surprises you or overwhelms you. Is it considered as profane as the f word or less? Like, it depends. It's not that intense, but it is a curse. Okay. 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 Cool. Aish. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Just gonna say that. That's awesome. I should. I should. say that to anyone, like, you know, in a formal setting, obviously. No, 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 no. Everything, every, every podcast I release has the explicit tag because I don't want children listening to this. <laughs> uh, I want to feel free to share things. <laughs> <It's tr> <laughs> who took who else took improv here now we know good job Nessie that's pretty good that's pretty good that's what I want to ask you thanks everybody for being on the test podcast thing um, I think there's some people that are really after our, we, this could you know what you know what that's actually not a bad idea maybe I'll put this on the patreon but I'll make it free but I'll have it separate from the normal feed because normally I do an interview show called Ascendant about journeys from scarcity to abundance. It's really fun. And I end up interviewing like creative people, musicians and stuff. Um, but I've never had more than one person. I've never interviewed more than one person. This isn't really an interview though. This is just a conversation, right? Um, this is... I thought it was great. I didn't think it was awkward. Anybody else feels awkward? Right. I, I thought you were a natural at this. I was like, wow. You're, firstly, you have the, the, the podcast like sharpness. Like, oh, like you said something funny. I was like, wow. That's, it feels very podcasty really, in a good way. You're yeah. really good at I know what that was awkward. No, no Thank you else. for taking ownership of that. <laughs> Presley, you know what? Yep. We still love you. We still love you. He said he would still love me if I was cute on cables. Oh, I did, didn't I? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just neutral. Chaotic evil is scary to me, too. I'm true neutral. Yeah? I, I don't think I've taken that quiz yet. I need I to take it. <laughs> Can someone paste it in the group chat again? Because I'll have to scroll back to about a thousand messages to find. Okay, wait. Now we got to guess what Ruben's alignment is. I feel like you're... I, I feel like you're like... Is, is neutral good in alignment? <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, you might be... I think you might either that or you're a uh, lawful neutral. There's a, lot, there's a little bit of evil in there. There's got to be a little bit of evil. I don't know. I don't have enough data, man. Make a guess. I was gonna. I. I think. I think you're probably. Your behavior seems more lawful to me, though. Like I really. I think you really don't want to piss off the cops. But I could be wrong. It's neutral. Okay. So my first guess was correct. All right. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. Thank you for saying that, though, by the way, guys. Uh, I, 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 Ascendant is technically my fourth podcast. 
um, I sort of like would start one for like a year and then it would like run its course and I had to do a lot of ex what was that I had to do a lot of experiments to find like a a rhythm and uh, format and because for me like I was such a perfectionist just editing the hell out of these things when I would interview people I would like try to get rid of like mouth noises it wasn't good so I, you can't do that you can't have a show if you're like spending four hours every interview editing I yeah if I send you this will it like beep your phone <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be okay. Recording app's pretty good. Nope. Cool. iOS 15 or whatever the number they're up now. Thanks. Oh, yeah, I got to test it. No, the only thing you got to be careful about, um, there's a bug in Signal where if you have an alarm go off and you're recording a memo when the alarm goes off, that memo's not going to ever send, ever. You have to start over. Yeah, you can't have a system alarm. I think it's true for WhatsApp, too. If an alarm interrupts WhatsApp or Signal, you're toast. It doesn't matter if you've been going for five minutes. You have to start over. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah, that's the... I am... You, you just got the alarm up here. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't turn out so well today when I left <laughs> a pot of water boiling on the stove for a long time because I had to make coffee because the coffee maker... Is horrible, and all the water came oh. out of the bottom of the coffee maker. Oh no! Of... I mean, Ruben has been yelling at me left and right for making mistakes. Why? Why would I do that? Oh yeah, yeah. For what? Why have you been yelling at her? I don't know. She's making stuff up. Nasty. Why are you always making stuff up? Ah! You did make up something in the chat. Anyway, I'll let everybody go. This is great, though. Thanks, guys. Hello. Oh, I got ten seconds left, and it'll be seventy minutes. Right, how much wine do you know? Only what you know. Okay. <laughs> and thus concludes the unusual episode. I think we had about four people on that one, maybe five. For this week's after show, I'm going to include something a little unusual. I'm going to include on my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash hellocrusoe, H-R-E. H-E-L-L-O-C-R-U-S-O-E. -E. <laughs> I, I also want to thank you for being present for this experiment. This really was an experiment. I'd never really done a little episode like this before, but I thought that it was worth sharing. And I may do more like this in the future. I may do more, maybe not this many people, but sort of spontaneous. This was not planned. This was in person. I love recording stuff in person. People who have been listening to the show for a while might remember episode two with Lee Fox, which was recorded in person. And for this time, I'm going to include some guitar playing by Rashad for the after show that was recorded a little bit after I recorded this. And it's quite good and enjoyable. It might even find its way in a YouTube video. Who knows? I want to thank everyone for just being present and laughing with me and enjoying the show together. This was a total experiment. Uh, this episode anyway, and I might do it again. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm at Hello Crusoe on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm always aiming to serve you better. I'm always aiming to serve my audience better, and I want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart. You know, if you've ever emailed me or retweeted something that I've shared for this show, I just appreciate it so much, and... Even if you're just a lurker and you're subscribed, thanks for subscribing. Every every little bit helps. As one of my characters in my tropical sci-fi series used to say, every little bit helps. 
And I'm going to probably resume with a more normal interview next time. But uh, until then, ahui ho, which in Hawaiian means until next time. Aloha. <laughs>